We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I'm Cameron. Yes, you are. Thanks. What's up, buddy? What up with you, my friend? Kind of winding down over here. It's good to see you. It's kind of a weird time for us, huh? Yeah. Getting, getting close to being out of the studio a couple more episodes and we'll be moving on so moving back on to, to normal to bigger and better things <laughs> well new things it's better for sure it's better sweet for show yeah it's good to see you it's good to be in studio i love being in the studio I love yeah i need space this. to come in here and share these stories man we got an awesome story today from monica yeah monica's from tennessee super cool yeah i just spent some considerable time in tennessee it's so beautiful and it, it's funny just so monica knows when when uh when we air this that uh cameron listened to her story after i got to talk to her and, and when we came in studio this morning he goes did you find out where she's from and i said from tennessee and cameron goes i knew it i'm, I'm, a, I'm a tennessee con con, con connoisseur now. A, a tennessee accent connoisseur mm-hmm. you said yeah I know all about it now, so I, I picked up on it right away. Yeah, so we got a we got a great story from her, and, and out of that, you know, she talked a lot about recovery and recovery mindset, and it made us start thinking like, huh, it'd be kind of fun to talk about the recovery mindset. Uh, yeah, because it's definitely, you know, when when we started when we started noting about this topic. Um, we all kind of have a, like this idea of what, what you mean by uh, mindset, mm-hmm. right? Like, like there's this, there's this internal, uh, description or this internal, uh, what is it? Dictionary. What is a dictionary? It's definition. Definition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. This internal definition you, of what mindset means. And so we looked it up and, and it means basically what you think it might mean, but. <laughs> we wanted to. Uh, we want, we wanted to kind of get into it because I think, I think it definitely takes a certain kind of mindset to get past day, one hour, right? Like when we decide to get sober, there's just so many fucking mind-boggling obstacles mm-hmm. that, that jump in our way that are that end up being like illusionary. You know that that you really have to change the idea of what. Uh, recovery is going to be how hard it's going to be what you're going to go through from it you know and so we thought it'd be fun to come in and talk about the recovery mindset yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely and I think you know in order to do that one of the things we had to kind of nail down is like well what does that mean to like have a recovery mindset and what what does recovery consist of Um, because you know if I don't know what it means to be in recovery then it's going to be difficult for me to carry out, yeah. carry that out throughout the day. Um, <clears throat> so, so I think one of the things that, uh, or a few of the things that I think we kind of narrowed down is like being in recovery means that we're we're honest, right? Right. We're open minded, and we're willing, and and these are the things that uh, that I think are crucial. They, they call it the how. Yeah, the, the how, how. The how of the program. 
Yeah, well, and and here's the thing is, we're again, we're not an we're we're not specifically referring to any um, one program. We're an all pathways uh, recovery podcast, and so and these things I think have been consistent through everybody that we've talked to. Yeah, everybody that has had a recovery journey um, has been open minded to um, new information. Um, and willing to try and take suggestions from other people who have been there. Um, and, and by doing those things, they seem to reach a place where, you know, recovery is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of keeping those things on the forefront. And I think also making recovery a priority, um, is how we maintain that recovery mindset. Um, and I think that really what it means is putting recovery first, right? Like Mm -hmm. we used to put our addiction before everything. Um, and now we've got to put recovery before everything. So I think that's what it means to have a recovery mindset. Sure. Sure. I mean, uh, making, you know, to, to pull off of what you just said, making recovery first, I, I, I've seen so many successes and so many failures and, and usually what ends up happening and I've seen it in my own life, uh, through massive amounts of time of trying to get sober. Like I recognized early on just based on the amount of trouble I got in that, uh, the chemicals and alcohol and stuff like that were a problem in my life because out of all the times I ever got arrested, I never got arrested sober. I was, mm. I was always high or drunk mm. and it didn't matter if I got arrested for a new crime or breaking probation on an old crime. Uh, I never went to jail sober ever. Interesting. And so, um, there was, there were all these problems. Right. And then also like, like as I've been sober, I look back and, and look at my relationships and my, con- um, you know, my conduct throughout my life. I see that um, when I'm drinking and using, it's so easy for me to lie and cheat and steal. And I have all these behaviors that I wouldn't normally have when I'm not. And so fast forward into uh, being in sobriety and being in recovery, I've watched the ups and downs of people coming in and out and some of the things that create success and some of the things that create failure. And it's like you said, I always put my addiction first. Mm-hmm. Right? I fed my addiction because not feeding it was so fearful and painful and so scary that, that that's just what we do. And so we get into sobriety, we get into recovery. And for a time, I watch a lot of people come in and they make recovery first. They're, they're, they're waking up, we're waking, or there, we, we are mm-hmm. waking up. Uh, we're thinking about our sobriety. We're thinking about the 24 hours ahead of us. We're thinking about what time the meeting starts. We're thinking about the people we need to connect with, what writing we need to do, what, what we need to read, how we need to pray, all those things. And for those of us that, um, come into recovery without work, without a place to live, without relationships, sobriety will bring all those things back to you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what ends up happening is we, we, we start getting these things back, right? And and we go, well, now I have a job. I need to put my job first. Right. Now I have a relationship. I need to put my relationship first. Now, you know, I got my kids back. I need to put them first. You know, 
we start getting these blessings of recovery back and we start putting them before our recovery and and then it goes from a recovery mindset to a family mindset and i think if i don't keep that keep that at the at the very front of my mind that i am imbalanced without recovery i lose all of it yeah right and so having a recovery mindset is i think you're right it's putting that recovery and what recovery is for me first now now my recovery may not look like your recovery that's okay but i still have to put that first you know when you talk about the honesty part of it i've done enough experimentation with my disease that i can honestly say that i am a fucking alcoholic and a drug addict to the core um i will take anything that i can from out there and put it in here Mm -hmm. to try to fix whatever it is go is that's going on to change whatever it is uncomfortable that's going on and so i have to start every day with that recovery mindset that i'm an alcoholic and that i'm going to have to show up for my recovery today yeah i appreciate you saying that and because i think that that that's the thing is when when we're first in recovery we really you know are often fresh off of the heels of being at our worst right yeah and so it becomes so easy because we're just so desperate um that having that that open-mindedness and that willingness and hopefully in a case of success that honesty as well um that we're, we're just so desperate that we're willing to do any of that stuff. And then we start seeing the results of that. And so we maintain that because we do not want to go back to how it just was, right? Like mm-hmm. it was just this way and now I'm doing this and it's working. So I'm just going to keep doing this for a while. Right. Um, but I appreciate you talking about the progression because I think what I see and what I've observed is, you know, as people get further down the road, they start doing less and less because they start getting some of those gifts back. They start, they start getting the gifts of, of recovery and, um, and they start seeing like, uh, their lives change for the better. Um, maybe, and, and I don't want to say in all cases, like in my case anyways, like sometimes I forget that those blessings have come as a result of me, you know, working a program. Um, and so, when I get really busy because of the blessings that I've been given as a result of this program or as a result of recovery or sobriety, um, I get, you know, the first thing to go is usually something that I would be doing for my recovery, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's, uh, I think that that's worth talking about is just how do we maintain that, that same willingness, that same sort of, um, open-mindedness and dedication really um to our sobriety uh throughout our journey Mm -hmm. because i think really like it comes down to a balance and and i know that we we've heard so many different things um about you know the first thing or the thing you put before your recovery will be the first thing you lose Mm -hmm. when uh, when you go back out and but we also hear that you know like aa is not meant to be your life it's meant to give you a new life and so it's like uh, there, there's so many things that kind of i don't want to say they contradict each other because both are actually true but 
you know, how do we find the balance? Um, I think is in our lives now um, compared to, you know, how recovery was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do, how do we do it, Willie? Well, tell me. I will tell you. I how, need the answers. I'll tell you how I've done it completely and perfectly. Because, um, you know, life, life is a game of ups and downs and it, it is an experimentation. And, and at the core of me, the disease that we talk about on this show, alcoholism and drug addiction, uh, the things that I use, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, violence, food, money, gambling, any of those things, they're all a symptom of what's going on. And so what we found through like what you're talking about earlier that the across the board, that honesty, open-mindedness and willingness have also come through no matter what anybody is, has done. There's, there's a few things that everybody that we have talked to have done. They've, they've admitted that there is a problem with the way that they think. Mm. And, 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 and for us, we, we admit that we're alcoholic, which means I take whatever out there and put it in here and that my life has become unmanageable and I, and I make documentation from, from me to paper of my mind of what that looks like. Right? So what do I mean when I say I'm powerless over alcohol or drugs or food and my life has become unmanageable. And if I can put that on paper for and and for me, it means once I take one of Mm -hmm. any of it, Mm -hmm. the obsession becomes so great that it is, nearly impossible for me to stop on my own and that's everything right yeah and then the unmanageability part of it is when i'm when i'm in the food when i'm in the alcohol and the drugs i become disconnected from my community which is such a huge part of what i do on a daily basis and so and we found that across the boards and in all pathways of the sobriety thing we all have this admittance that there's a problem, right? We have this willingness to connect and take direction. And then we have to go through and, and like I said, document what our lives have been. And so for us, we have a program, the 12 step program that kind of walks us through that stuff. But on a daily basis, in order to maintain that, I'm fortunate enough to have been through enough pain to wake up every morning and be grateful that I'm not in that pain. And so I think gratitude on a daily basis is a great place to, to, to keep that mindset. And, you know, it's so important that we stay in a recovery community because we will watch the people of their ups and downs. We'll watch the people come in off the street with no shoes and we will watch the people go out that have everything. And somewhere in between that, there's a message of success of the people that don't come back in with new shoes that stay and the people that don't go back out with everything that stay. And in in that, we get to kind of play around with what works for us because once we get sober, once I get sober, I started getting connected to my inner voice. And fortunately for me, I can go through a series of forgetting i'll forget Mm -hmm. i'll forget to wake up and be thankful i'll forget to connect with another alcoholic i'll forget to do a daily reading i'll forget to do a meditation or prayer and then what happens is 
I start picking up the old tools of destruction. Right. And in that, I start getting uncomfortable and I start getting sad and I start getting disconnected. And then I start getting tempted to, you know, connect with old friends, to steal shit, to uh, overconsume, to overspin, to lie, to cheat, you know, to, to seek extramarital attention. Mm. You know, I start getting these these signs that I'm not in a, a good spiritual place and my conscience, my inner voice will remind me of the darkness that it used to be and what worked in the beginning. And for me, I talk to my sponsor about this all the time. I went to fucking two and three meetings a day yeah. for years mm -hmm. because I didn't want to go back out. And so I really just saturated myself with recovery and so it's really, I, I, you know, I don't know that there's any one great answer. Right. Because I know some people that are pretty successful on very little meetings and very little community. And I know people that can't fucking get it. Yeah. At two a day. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, so I think maybe the key thing that you, that you. RPM. Touched on there was just to kind of tap into that inner voice and let it be your guide. Right. Like. Yeah. I usually have a good sense of what is and isn't too much, mm -hmm. you know, or, or not enough. Like I, and here's the thing is like in those instances, I, as long as I stay plugged in and connected with other people in recovery, I can bounce it off them to see if they think it's a good idea. Yeah. So like if I'm, you know, in this space where I'm like, okay, I feel like, I feel a little, you know, out there in the ether and just feel, you know, somewhat disconnected from not only, you know, myself, but from others. Um, then if I choose to share that with, with somebody else, you know, they can usually say, you know, well, if you feel that way, maybe yeah. you, you should do something about it. You probably need to do more meetings or, or something like yeah. that, or, or, you know, they can make other suggestions, um, that may help. And so, uh, so I think, you know, again, sort of maintaining that honesty is for me, like the critical part is like, be honest with myself and then, you know, have the courage to be honest with those around me. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, not only, you know, am I feeling this way, but I'm, I'm expressing it to others <laughs> yeah. because, yeah. you know, like keeping that shit to myself is toxic for me. Yeah. You know, it just takes me to a place where I convince myself that it's gotten worse, that it's, um, you know, that I'm no good. And I start believing all that stuff, all that negative stuff. Um, and I do start, you know, self-sabotaging and, and, uh, just looking for something to change the way that that feels because I don't like when I talk to myself that way and I want quick and instant fixes to that. Yeah. Um, and, and when I'm in that space, I also don't want to talk about it, mm -hmm. you know? So, so yeah, like having, having other people who know how that feels is crucial for me. So, um, so being able to talk to somebody else who, um, not only knows how that feels, but can also move past it or has moved past it and offer some suggestions or tips or point me to somebody that can offer some suggestions and tips are, 
are a pretty big deal of how I maintain, yeah. you know, that recovery mindset. So, and, and, and that's the thing, right? Like we, we want to get to a point where we can help others and, and we can't obviously give away something we haven't got. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, what you brought up is a, is a really good point. What, what happens is I start getting disconnected and then I don't answer the phone. And what happens when I don't answer the phone is I get this, um, this slight, I, w- I wouldn't say amazing feeling of guilt, but I get this little sense of guilt. It's like this sliver in the back of your mind. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I could answer this call, but I don't want to answer this call. Right. And then the monster inside of me is like, yeah, fuck that call. Let's go. Let's fucking not think about that call. Let's get on our phone and watch some reels. Yeah. You know, and then I become unavailable to the people that need me. And ultimately through all this stuff, the only, the, the, the biggest thing that we can do is help other people. And so what you were talking about is like being able to, to reach out and have that have that connection with people. A lot of times, whoever I'm talking to isn't in the same space that I am. Sure. And and I'll want them to be, or I won't want to talk about that stuff. You know, I'll, I'll like, like this happened to me the other day is, so I'm, go, I'm going through and I'm not wanting to uh, do any meetings. I'm not wanting to do any reading. Um, I'm not wanting to call my sponsor. And so like I, I call my sponsor anyway. And that's, a, that's a big part of like doing this recovery mindset is fucking doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that I've, it's, it's been a rare occasion that I've pulled up to a meeting that I wanted to go. In. Right. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. almost every meeting I've ever been to in my whole life, I've tried to talk myself out of. And then I'm like, well, when I do get in there, I'm not fucking sharing. Today. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to say shit. I'm just going to listen. I don't have anything to offer. And so I, I, I'm thinking about this and, and I'm like, well, what am I doing for my recovery today? Right. So I call my AA sponsor and he answers the phone and he's all fucking jazzed up. He's like, what up, him? I'm like, fuck. He's in a good mood. Yeah. Like I was, I was, I was hoping to call and just, you know, kind of talk about how gloom the world is. And he's like, what's up gangster? And I'm all, well, fuck dude. Like, that's not what I wanted right now. He's like, you know, and we started talking about being right sized mm-hmm. in our lives. Yeah. Right. And, and he reminded me that I, I'm, I'm never doing quite as bad as I think I am. Right. And I'm never really quite as great as I think I am. There's, there's this work to be done and there's some stuff to give away. Mm. And so it's, it's all a, a, like you said, a balance game of give and take. And it's never like balance is this spot that's dead center in the middle. You know, I've said it uh, several times on the show that for me, balance is a pendulum of extremes and uh, I'm, I'm just not smart enough. I'm not capable enough. I'm not aware enough. I don't know to not stay out of the extremes. It seems like I will be extremely over here on the high side where life is beautiful. There's not a cloud on the horizon. And I'll recognize that, um, because of the blessings and, and everything in my life, I'm not paying very much attention to the new guy. I'm not reaching out. I'm mm. not sharing, 
Uh, I'm just kind of focused on how good I feel and how great everything is. And I'm just this fucking spiritual guru giant and I have it all under control and, and I'll be like, okay, I can see that I'm out of balance this way. Let's tone it down. Let's, let's remember where we came from. Let's go to a fucking courtroom where people are getting sentenced, whatever. And that's a fun thing to do. If you've never done it, just, just go sit in a courtroom while they're fucking sentencing people. And that'll, that'll remind you where you came from or what's waiting for you. But, um, you know, and then I'll start bringing it through and there's this cool spot right in the middle where I'm not too big. I'm not too small. And then I pass that center point and for me usually like i'll eat a dessert i'll be like <laughs> i'll be like everything's good and it'll kick start the food obsession and then i swing all the way over here to this piece of shit extreme yeah right and and so where you know i'm not good enough i don't deserve my wife i don't deserve my kids i don't deserve recovery uh, i'm gonna fuck it all up you know that that whole extreme of of the low point and i'll recognize that i'm there and uh start start bringing it back the other way and 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 when i'm over here and i start bringing it back that's when i start reaching out for help i start talking about you know i'm feeling this low point i'm seeing these these fucking behaviors i'm getting scared and it'll start swinging back towards the center and i'll fucking hit the center again (laughs) then i'm 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 just right size and i'm going to meetings and that's where i'm I'm, I'm willing to chair. I'm willing to share. I'm willing to reach out. Uh, I'm doing my readings. You know, my wake up time is good. And then I start fucking crossing that line. And all of a sudden I'm like, look at my wake up time. Look at my workouts. Look at my fucking, my diet's on point. And then I'm just giant again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, see, and, and, and the common theme I hear through all that and, 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 yeah, I mean that's that's the struggle, right? Is like trying to to maintain that to all to a point where it's like I'm I'm humble, but I'm also like confident in the work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um and and I push through those moments of resistance to recognize that this is this is the way that I uh that I take care of myself now. And that's yeah. important, right? Um but you know, as you were talking, I'm like through all that, through all, you know, most of these moments where I'm feeling either too horrible about myself or I'm feeling too good about myself. Um, you know, it just brought me back to, you know, self-centeredness is the root of our, our disease. And it's like, that's, that's how I get when I'm just thinking about me, you know, like, if when I'm just thinking about me, I'm thinking about me way too much. Yeah. And, and yes, I'm selfish and I'm doing things that Cameron wants to do or Cameron doesn't want to do. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm probably throwing those people who love me. I'm throwing their feelings by the wayside, um, in favor of, of my own, um, dread and doom or, or whatever the case is. Um, but I'm also, you know, not available for anybody else um, in a way that is conducive to me maintaining my sobriety, meaning I'm not able to help anybody because I have nothing to offer. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not answering the phone when somebody calls to help them because 
you know, uh, fuck them. Like I, what I have is what I'm dealing with is I'm going through this thing right now. So I'm not going to answer <laughs> going, your call. I'm going through this I'm, thing, you right know, now. exactly. Like, and, it, and, and it's just like that. It just perpetuates, right? Yeah. It just, it just snowballs into, uh, more of that, that, uh, that destructive thinking. And really there's gotta be something that will, will snap me out of it. Yeah. What? I don't know, you know, but well, I, I think it comes from a power greater than yourself, right? Like, yeah. Like it comes from like all of a sudden we hear uh, the 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 answer that we've been looking for. Like like for me, you know, as, as we've been on this entire thing, we've we've had so many ups and downs with with diet and exercise and body size. And, you know, since we've done the podcast, um, chemical or, or drug or alcohol relapse hasn't been a part of the story since we've been doing this podcast, but emotional relapse, um, uh, diet relapse, exercise relapse, you know, all these different parts of our program relapse. And I was laying in bed. I was talking to my wife the other night about, uh, you know, cause I've been in kind of a low space lately. I've been kind of in this low spot where, uh, I have a new, I have a new exercise program, which I think is a part of, of a recovery mindset to try to build, a better, stronger body, you know? Um, and so I have a new coach in that area and, and I'm just looking at the amount of food I've been having and just at this low point. And what I realize is a lot of times I'll get into this space where, uh, I forget the, and, and I think, what am I going to get out of this? And when, like you were saying, the selfishness part of it, if I can flip that, which I've done, and I think we all have done, from what am I going to get out of it to what will I be able to give from it, right? When I, when I reach this goal, how can I help other people with that instead of what am I going to get when I reach this goal? What, what will the payoff be? Mm-hmm. Um, sobriety came at the cost of my entire old life, right? right? I, I had to give up everything that I thought I knew and everything that I was. I had to give up. Uh, my beliefs, my, uh, habits, my play places and play things, the cost Friends of, in some instances, yeah, I'm the sure, cost yeah. of this life was my old life. Yeah. And so like all of that, like comes from a, a recovery mindset because it all leads back to this place where I know if I drink, I die and I'm recover. I'm recovering from a hopeless state of mind and body that alcohol and drugs made my life completely unmanageable. I became somebody that I didn't want to be anymore and I couldn't do it on my own. And so all the things that I do kind of have that, um, undertone of how, how do I, how do I maintain my insurance? This, this is another part of ensuring that regardless of how I feel or what failures I have today, I'm not going back to what I know doesn't work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. I don't want to end up in that place. I don't want to end up in that place where we've talked about banging our head, uh, you know, comes out of the big book of alcohol, banging our hand on the bar, asking where had been my great resolve. Yeah. Was so dialed in on my recovery. And now all of a sudden I'm fucking drinking again. Right. And, and so like, like everything leads back to that place. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. 
And I think that that's one of the critical things about, um, about maintaining that recovery mindset is, is understanding and accepting that that's the truth, right? Is that if, if I allow myself to, um, to detour in, into some of these other negative behaviors that it's likely that it will lead back to a drink or a drug, um, to what it was that got me here, um, uh, to a, uh, to a recovery space period. Um, in my case, you know, the rooms of an AA or a treatment center. Um, and, and I think that there, the, like having that and knowing that is, is scary because now that we're down the road a little ways, we oftentimes have more to lose. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, in, in my case, like I think about how it was like when I first went into a treatment center and it was like, fuck man, I, I didn't have anything. Yeah. So, you know, anything that you were going to give me in addition to what I didn't have <laughs> was a bonus. Right. Yeah. So I was willing to do all that. And then eventually it got to this place where it's like, now I have, you know, uh, a house soon, soon a house, um, a wife, a son, uh, a job that I love, um, friends and family who, you know, I've, I've, uh, we count on you lucky enough to be connected with. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, to think about, you know, using or drinking now, um, and losing all of that is just completely, uh, devastating. And so while, um, while, you know, a drink seems like it's kind of far away being that, you know, I've accumulated however much time, um, it's also, you know, there's no bones about the fact that if I drink or drug, if I take a drink or if I use, you know, uh, the, the wrong drug, um, that, uh, that all that shit goes out the window. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in my mind. Right. Um, and I think that having that and, and, and understanding that fully completely, um, is in and of itself, uh, a tick in recover maintaining that recovery mindset. So as long as I'm able to do that, um, I'm usually going to find myself in a much better place than I would have, you know, those years ago. But for me, like it's, it's not enough to just know that, right? Like I've got to take the action, Mm -hmm. um, that, that ensures that that won't happen again, because what they say about drugs and alcohol is absolutely true. It's cunning, baffling, and powerful. And knowing that I'll lose all that stuff does not mean that I won't ever do it again. Right. Um, because there certainly was, um, even though I may not have had all those things, there's certain, there certainly was reasons to not do it before. Yeah. And I did it anyways. Right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean the, the critical thing, or I think maybe when we kind of boil it down, like what it comes down to, you know, maintaining that recovery mindset may come down to action, you know, absolutely. Uh, Just that one word, like, taking action today to ensure that tomorrow or today we don't drink yeah. a drug. Absolutely. So 
Yeah. I agree. Action. It's all it's always answer your fucking phone anyway. Answer your phone. Make Cameron. the call anyway. Pick up the tools anyway. Go to a meeting anyway. Anyways, yeah. Right? Anyway. Uh don't don't imagine that three years into sobriety is gonna feel like one year into sobriety. Mm-hmm. You know, your first meeting isn't gonna feel the first meeting you ever went to isn't going to feel like the last meeting you went to. Like it's just, it's just not, um, the message that we need to hear comes when we need to hear it. If, as long as we're present to hear it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the big thing. And, and like, there's nothing I would rather do at this point in my life with, with what I've been given in sobriety. Um, one of the things that I just love being able to do every night is lay there with my family a lot of times we're all in the same bed mm. just fucking covered in kids yeah and, and wife right. <laughs> they're wiggling around and shit and i uh, and i say out loud it's nice to have a home you know and and, and uh, usually my wife will follow that up with i love this house and and to, to have that because I was willing to do all those things that I didn't want to do in the beginning. I didn't want to get sober. Right. It was scary. Yeah. But for me to give up this life for that life, fuck that. Not today. Right. Not today. I can't, I can't imagine me giving this up. And so I, I really appreciate what you said about action. You know, I go to, I go to a meeting anyway. I read recovery related material anyway. I listen to, uh, uh, positive information anyway. Um, I talk about how I feel anyway, right? A recovery mindset doesn't necessarily mean I'm always going to want to. A recovery mindset, I think, means that that I believe it will work and I believe it's worth doing at the core of me. Like, it's, I believe in it as much as I believe we're sitting here today. Yeah. And so uh, that helps me be willing to do the things that and and it's not all the time you guys like a yeah, lot of times comes, i comes want those man a lot yeah. of times i want to do this stuff yeah a lot of times i do i'm like fuck god this is the shit right now it's fun sometimes Good stuff I'm into it in it yeah yeah uh but i think the more important thing is uh it's easy to do when i want to uh and it's easy to make excuses when i don't want to yeah but the payoff for Doing the recovery stuff that has got me where I'm at, it's so much greater when I don't want to do it and I do it anyway. Yeah, that's that's the difference. That's the difference maker is doing it when you don't want to do it. Yeah. Everybody can do it when they want to do it. <laughs> you know, but when you don't want to do it and you do it anyways, that's what separates, you know, yeah. the successful from the unsuccessful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I really appreciate hearing that. And uh I love all the success, dude. I love the people that we've met and the community that we've met, you know. Uh, and so another success story that we had the opportunity to get and listen to and connect with was Monica, mm -hmm. who... Um, She's from Tennessee, just in case we didn't <laughs> express that already. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was cool. I got to talk to her uh, a little bit before and after the recording and... Uh, it was it was the online recovery community that that connected her with everything that she needed to be connected with in order to change her life 
and and get to where she's at today so not incredible yeah that's so cool yeah it's awesome man and and so uh, you know thank you for for everything what do you think then now is the time now's a good time yeah so. let's do it let's do here is monica this week's war story is brought to you by brainwashed coffee Brainwashed Coffee is a damn good coffee with a damn good cause. 50% of all proceeds go back into the recovery community, which makes it a perfect partner for us here at the Other Side of Hell Podcast. With delicious blends like Coffee Commitment, Found a New Freedom, we drink a hell of a lot of it here, and it gives us the energy we need to deliver a quality show. Right now, you can get $5 off your coffee purchase at brainwashedcoffeeco.com using promo code OTHERSIDE. Clean with me, brainwashed coffee. Now, without further ado, here is this week's war story. My name's Monica, and I am a recovering addict. And I think I might be an alcoholic too. I'm still figuring that out. But I've been sober since June 29th, 2021. And um, I don't know. I think my journey is probably like a lot of other people's uh, in my shoes. I didn't identify as an addict for damn near 30 years. Um, and since I finally figured it out and accepted it, I've been able to help myself. It started when I was really little. Really, I've been surrounded by addiction and mental health issues since I was born. Um, I had a really good family, but I had some issues. Um, I think most people can relate my mom struggled with addiction and it got pretty bad um, as I got older when I was a preteen. So I started, I went through a, um, a childhood molestation with a family member. And I feel like that's kind of where mine really started. I started using alcohol and weed specifically in middle school. As soon as I hit middle school, I was partying with the high schoolers in sixth grade. Every weekend I would be getting wasted. And now that I look back, I can see that I've never had a healthy relationship with alcohol and it's always been dangerous from the get go. Um, you don't get wasted blackout drunk in sixth grade, you know? So I struggled with um, self-harm when I was little. And as I got older, I learned that I could kind of quiet that noise by smoking, by drinking, and then the pills, those ultimately <clears throat> took me to my rock bottom, but it took me a long time to get there. So when I was young, my family would, let me just start by saying that partying was glorified in my family. Like you part, the harder you party, the cooler you are. And I don't teach that in my house at all now. We don't drink here. When we party, like we eat, we have a good time. We have good food. Um, but we don't have to have substances to have a good time. And I think growing up, I really thought that the more that I did, the cooler that I was or the better, I, I don't even really know what I was trying to achieve, but I looked up to these people and I loved them, but seeing them live this kind of lifestyle always made me kind of idolize that. So started partying at a young age when I went to high school, took it to a whole different level. Um, I, 
I got a serious boyfriend in middle school and we stuck together through high school and early college. And his addiction took quite a turn for the worse, um, a little bit before mine did, right as we broke up. But in high school, we were always the most fucked up. I got a party. If you're doing 16 triple C's, which are like these coffin cold pills that everybody did, we were doing 24, you know? Um, we never just had a few drinks. We had a bottle of liquor <clears throat> always. And I didn't really fuck with pain pills much in high school. I didn't like them. And it's funny that those took over my life the way that they did later on. But you always think I got this under control. I got this. I'm never going to do this or I'm only going to do. I always said I would never snort my pills ever that whenever I started snorting my pills, that it would be over because when my mom, my boyfriend and my best friend started snorting their, their pills, their journey went, you know, and I was still kind of hanging in there. So me and my high school boyfriend broke up when I was in college and I met my first husband. We got married after six months and I was able to keep my addiction at bay. My best friend that started snorting her pills, she was already not doing well at all. And I was keeping it in there. I had a kid that really, when I got pregnant, that's really, I think, what saved me always. He's my oldest son is nine now. And the last 10 years have been quite the journey. I thought that I was fucked up when I was younger, but the last 10 have been a whole different level. And honestly, I still didn't take it to the level that some people get to. And it's been rough. Like I'm a survivor. My best friend is no longer here. My mom's no longer here. Um, Okay, so whenever I met my first husband, I was using pills occasionally. I didn't have money to buy them much, and I wasn't snorting them, so I wasn't super addicted at this point, and I thought I had it under control, but whenever I had a baby, I became fully aware of these mental health issues that I had struggled with my whole life, but didn't even know what the word mental health meant. I had never really heard it, I don't think. Or I didn't listen if I did hear it. Um, <clears throat> and whenever I became aware of like depression and anxiety, I used to blame all of those feelings on I'm a piece of shit. I'm a drug addict. And this is because I've done pills or I don't have pills or I just thought I always felt bad because of the stupid shit that I chose to do. And then I started to become educated on mental health. And I knew that I had a bigger problem. And I knew that I was using substances to deal with my problems, but I still was in denial that I had an addiction problem. So <clears throat> I jumped from Xanax, pain pills, or Xanax, any other pill besides pain pills, to pain pills. I started doing Opanas and I had to snort them <clears throat> in order to get high. And once I started doing that, before I knew it, I was, I'd use meth, I'd use cocaine, heroin. I never got to the IV use level yet, but I was well on my way. And after I met my first husband, he would, I didn't take my addictions too seriously because I was so functioning and I was able to keep my shit together. But he knew that there was something wrong, but he was still kind of feeding my addiction too. like I would take, you know, our prescription Adderall and I don't know, he would say, just go to the doctor and get your own. And I'm like, no, hell no, just give it to me. You know, I just needed something to feel better. And he ended up 
filing for emergency custody and taking my son for two and a half weeks. And I had a full on mental breakdown, lost my shit. My mom was in bad shape at this time. Let me add that. Her addiction took a turn when I was um, in middle school. But after high school, shit got real with hers. She was just on prescription medication and it changed our whole lives, like our whole family fucked everything up. And I remember the day that I went snorting my first pill, I tried to give her a $4,000 check that I'd gotten back from my scholarships to go get help. And she was like, no, I'm going to, I'll miss, I'll get kicked out of my pain pill doctor. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And I just met my first husband and I was living on my own in college, struggling with, you know, my addiction too. And yeah, that night I told her, I was like, you know what? If you're not going to get better, then I'm going to, I'm going to get strung out too. Cause I'm so tired of this shit. And I think I kind of did it to like somehow get revenge on her or hurt her. But really all it did was open up the door that took me so many years to shut. And now that that bitch is shut, I don't ever want to open it again. Um, so that's when my snorting pill journey started. And after that, it took a long, it took many years before I progressed. So me and my first husband had gotten back together had my kid tried to be happy. We even moved away like into the city. And yeah, I, that's when I started doing the Opanis. I got worse than ever there. We moved back to my hometown. Um, and within a couple months he had left again. I had my son at the time full time. And then my mom passed away and I really struggled with depression then, but I was doing pretty good. I'd been on Suboxone for like a year hated it, but it was keeping me off of Opanis. So I was proud of myself. And I'd just come off of that before my mom died. And after that, I was taking Xanax. I was smoking. Um, so I wasn't doing terrible, but I still wasn't in recovery. And I didn't drink too much. I went, I experienced a sexual assault when I was 18. And that really just changed my relationship with alcohol. I was at my parents' house and I could not believe that that happened to me at my safe place. But it was because I drank a fucking quart of moonshine that night. I had alcohol poisoning. So after that, I didn't drink much. But I still, anytime I have drank, it's been a shit show. You know what I mean? Um, so when my mom passed, I met my second husband three months later. And we had been together a couple of weeks. And I decided to go out of town with one of my friends. And that weekend, I decided to try cocaine for the first time. And when I came back, I found out that my husband had taken my son and it was kind of, it's been a real struggle since then. So me and my second husband, we ended up having two kids together. We got married and really my addiction was like a crazy roller coaster. I would do really good for a while. I would, I was totally sober for nine months. I didn't smoke, but I drank almost every day. And for drug, te- drug test purposes, I was doing good, but in my head, I was doing worse than ever. Drinking literally a fucking screwdriver at 9 a.m. because like I just couldn't deal, you know? I've always felt like I had to have something. Even if I'm clean, I'm using diet pills or it's just my mindset when I'm in that active addiction, just that craving and the obsession. So <clears throat> fast forward, um, the, abu- the re- relationship turned abusive. I guess it kind of was abusive all along. I just didn't see it. Like I really did not So after we did the cocaine that weekend, um, 
and my son, I didn't have any contact with my son for many months. I got pregnant with my second son. You know, I was doing really good then, but I needed my first baby. And that's always been something kind of holding me back to, I've needed to get my kid back. So I knew I couldn't just totally say fuck it and go off the deep end. But I also was hurting so bad. Like I almost couldn't get through the day without my kid. So I was really in a dilemma and I was trying to find the perfect amount of substance to just get me through, you know, instead of just like healing myself and working on myself. So, um, the relationship, there's a lot to that, but we'll just say it ended with my face getting broken. I had to have surgery to get my face reconstructed. And a couple of weeks before the surgery. So the surgery was scheduled on my best friend's birthday. The one that overdosed that we started doing the pills together all those years ago. When she died, that was definitely a turning point for me. She just had a baby on my birthday. He was two months old. She had another daughter. Um, and I'm their godmother and I love them. And I'm like, I, I don't ever want to have a bad day and say, fuck it. I'm going to go use. And that be the last day that any of these kids have me here. That's, I don't want to leave them. I lost my mom at 24 and I damn sure don't want these kids to lose me anytime soon. So, um, sorry. I, I joined a recovery program at the end of June, June 29th. It was a mat doctor, a mat clinic. Um, it's a recovery center. I knew I had that surgery coming up in July for my face. And I really, I'll tell you this, the month before he broke my, my nose, I actually was damn near suicidal. Um, that was one of my lowest points. And I'd use that day. And I don't know if I had been that way, if I hadn't used heroin that day, but I had. So I almost wasn't, I'm almost not here anymore. And I really don't think that I would have gotten to that point had I not been high. So the next month he broke my nose. I kind of was just existing for a few months. I can't really remember. Oh, I was, okay. So I started using methadone thinking like, okay, this will be better than using heroin. Um, and each time that I would go back out there, I would do something a little bit worse every single time. It never went back. You know what I mean? So I started doing this methadone and I'm also doing Xanax, which is apparently very, very deadly. And I had no idea. And that's what he was under the influence of whenever he assaulted me. So when the surgery came around, I knew I was going to be fucked up. I already know me and I knew these pills. I was just going to go off the deep end. I was so depressed mentally, not doing well at all. Really just didn't want to be here and didn't want to do this anymore. Didn't want to fight anymore. None of it. And I entered this recovery program um, in June, had the surgery in July. By the end of the year, I had reached out to a few people online and they kind of took me under their wing and tried to help me whenever I still didn't really, I knew that I needed some help, but I didn't know exactly what all I needed help with. I just knew I wasn't doing drugs. Um, and I left that relationship a couple of months later and I committed to not drinking alcohol. And when I did that is when really everything started to get better. And now I'm in a place where I can give back. I can share confidently the shit that I've done in my past because I know 
that somebody out there is struggling with it too. I struggled with that shit in silence and in secret for so many years. I remember back in the days whenever I was with my first husband and he was trying to help me, but I was too ashamed of what I was doing to even accept to myself that I needed help. And like, I just remember how alone I felt. I would always read about addiction and watch people's. I was in this support group called Moms Can. It's where moms um, struggle with their kids being addicted. I really related to all of those women because of what I was going through with my mom. And I never dreamed I would be in that, um, be in those shoes one day. So I just know how impactful it was for me to have people speaking out about this shit because we all go through, we all struggle with something, whether it's mental health, addiction, all of us. And addiction does not have, it does not, it's not confined to just drugs and alcohol. We can be addicted to a, a number of things in our life. And I, I know for me, where I'm at in my journey, I just want peace and I want to be happy and content. And I can't ever jeopardize getting back in that mindset because it's hard. It's still a struggle every single day being sober. I still struggle with the same mental health issues. I just don't have these substances fucking everything up. It throws my chemicals off so much whenever I do anything. And I've always been that way. I can go months and be clean and be like, oh, I'll have a little. And before I know it, I'm doing this shit every day. That's just who I am as a person. I don't do shit in moderation and I can't do it. And I think a lot of us drug addicts, we think like, oh, we're not alcoholics. Like that was me. That truly was me just a few months ago. And now like, I don't know. It's hard for me to say I'm an alcoholic, but I, I am because my relationship with alcohol has been unhealthy since day one. And I don't know, I'm really thankful for the sobriety community that's out there. You guys inspire us to speak out and it makes us feel, I don't know, a little bit less alone, a little bit less fucked up to know that there's a group of us and we're finally not ashamed of it anymore, you know? And it's okay what we've done in our past as long as we continue on this path moving forward. Because I think most of us know if we go back out there, we may not ever come back. You know, that's where it's at. So, sorry. I don't know. I feel like I've never looked at myself as a role model ever. Uh, that someone, someone that people can look up to and be inspired by ever. And it wasn't until I started speaking out about this shit publicly that I learned that I actually am that. Not I can be that, I am that. And it's really empowering and it's motivating. And so where I'm at in my journey now, um, I guess I'm getting close to a year and a half. It's like almost 450 days where I'm at sober. And that's huge for me. And I didn't really feel ready up until this point to try to help other people because I didn't really know how to help myself still. I've been, and it's been like a self-healing journey for me the whole way. I've never been to treatment. Um, I am in this recovery program where I get counseling and I get to check in with a doctor and they help me figure out what meds I need. And it's awesome to just have that support. I never thought I would want to be held accountable by doctors. I always tried to like stay away from them ever finding out how I really feel about the meds. You know what I mean? I was afraid that I wouldn't get prescribed any of the good shit anymore. And now I just want to get prescribed what I need and what helps me. It's really a mindset for me, addiction, like recovery. I'm in a recovery mindset, not a using mindset. Even if I'm not actually using the substance, I can be there mentally. You know what I mean? It used to literally control me. I felt like I couldn't get out of bed without something. 
I felt like I couldn't be happy. I couldn't clean my house. And now if I have those days where I don't feel like doing that shit, I just don't do that shit, you know? And it's okay. And I'm able to identify my feelings now and recognize like yesterday, I had a terrible day. I had some heavy shit going on and I was feeling angry and like just in a mood and I went to my mom's grave and I left and I was able to reflect. But if I went up to my mom's grave and took a bottle of wine, I would have left and went and got another bottle of wine and who knows where I'd be at right now today. That's all it takes. And there's so many more people like us, especially people like me that live in secret and in silence and on the outside, we just appear totally fine. And on the inside, we're literally dying and struggling. We're fighting every day just to get through. <clears throat> and we feel so ashamed of ourselves for what we're feeling on the inside and we want to fix it, but we're too scared to reach out and ask for help and take that first step. And that's really all it takes is that first step. If I'd never reached out to my man, Marty, you know, and he had hooked me up with Haley and then I hadn't been introduced to the meetings and the rooms and the online community, I very much stayed away from social media. Um, it really didn't make me feel good about myself to know that I looked decent in my pictures with my kids, but I was such a piece of shit on the inside and I was struggling so deeply, you know? <laughs> and like, now I know that I wasn't a piece of shit. I was just, I was sick and I was lost and I needed help and I needed some treatment. Um, and I think treatment comes in a lot of different forms. <clears throat> um, sometimes I wish that I'd gone to some kind of treatment center and learn those tools, but it's not too late for me to learn that shit now. I really want to work these steps. I want to get active, kind of like I spoke on with you earlier. I kind of got off track um, when it came to focusing on me. And I didn't use, but I definitely feel like it was a setback mentally. And I'm ready now to focus on me and take care of me and figure out what it is that I need. And I know that helping people is something that's always helped me. And if I can help people by just being honest about what I've done and what I've experienced and what I'm going through it we really find out that there's so many other people out there and we're not alone um and all I have 15,000 people behind me supporting me on TikTok and I never thought that I would be one of those people they piss me off banning my shit all the time so I'm really trying to come on over to Instagram um I think but I don't want to leave the people. These people have encouraged me and supported me so much. I would not be sitting right here today if it weren't for the recovery community encouraging me to do this. And for you for giving me the opportunity. Um, but yeah, so I have a lot more to say, a lot more to learn, but I'm excited to be on this journey and have everybody join along with me. And I hope that one person can take away from this and know that they're not alone and I'm here my inbox is always open for anybody that needs to talk um I don't know exactly what steps to take to help people but I would love to learn and be able to give back and help people because there's been so many people that have helped me along the way I have not done it alone my faith that's that's been my number one so I would start there and then you can inbox me and I got you. Um, if you guys want to connect with me or follow along with my journey, I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Monica from TikTok. See, that's a recovery mindset right there. Thank you, Monica. Yeah, I loved it. You know, the, the recovery community, her TikTok is great. Yeah. 
go check it out. And and like we tell everybody that says that they're willing to help or talk, they're willing to help or talk. So mm-hmm. if you're struggling and you connect with their story, reach out. You know. So what do you think? I thought it was great. There was a lot with her story that I identified with being that, you know, um, pills were yeah, the majority of what I struggled with. So yeah. I definitely identified with that. I really um, appreciate that she kind of rounded it out with, you know, I don't have to do this alone because I think that that was the biggest thing for me yeah. early in recovery is sort of discovering that there was this whole community out there yeah. of people who had been where I had been and and we're now sober um and uh, and now you know she she can find it online yeah. which is how we we connected with her and it's um it's just uh yeah it was it was amazing yeah you know w- w- when she was telling her story it, it really brought me back to my childhood you know that that youth that youth party mm. and uh, you know she mentioned that um you know, the, the parents partying, you know, the older people partying was really kind of attractive to her. And, and I could relate mm. to that. Like it was so, looked so much fun. Everybody mm. was just having such a great time. And I remember that, you know, I wanted to be part of that. And, yeah. And uh, but, uh, I, I became part of that. And a lot of the same things, you know, she talked about the sexual assault and, uh, you know, when you start partying at such a young age, that becomes such, it becomes so like, yeah, that, that happens it so seems often. To happen, yeah. Right? Quite a, quite a bit. Like it's so common yeah. uh, to be getting insulted or having sexual activity at such a, such a young age, you know, and, and that was, that was definitely my story and, and the progression of it all that, that getting high at her mom, mm, like, yeah. like all, finally just that that's what we do like Mm -hmm. and we just progress from one thing we keep crossing that invisible line i could i can totally relate with that like i'm never going to snort my pills and then all of a sudden i'm snorting my pills right i'm never going to do heroin but all of a sudden here i'm doing heroin and and that's just what we what we do and and we can't stay where we're at getting sick and it not progress to the next level we just can't and so to to come back around and for her to become who she is today it's awesome you know she has she's a woman of boundaries she's a woman of of you know standards she uh is is creating and building this life that's worth living and uh becoming a person of value you know people are getting value from her tiktok and her message and you know, I'm certainly one of those people, and I I appreciate. It. I love getting to talk to, yeah, to everyone. It was it was a joy getting to talk to her. You know, and and the the recovery community is is getting tighter and tighter. You know, it was fun talking about the same people that we know and, and get help from, and yeah, and mm-hmm. see each other around. So thank you, Monica, for for your story. I got a lot out of it. Yeah, thank you so much. One of the things that I really appreciated that she was able to sort of encompass everything that she had been through, like, um, to, you know, what was wrong with her. She touched on mental health. Um, obviously there was some domestic abuse, um, and then sexual trauma and, you know, she's able to kind of lump these all into what it was that she was dealing with, right? Like 
we're we're so restless internally that we are constantly seeking you know all this unhealthy stuff you know she even said you know like i if I didn't have a pill, I'd have to have a drink. I, you know, she, she, she just had to have something in her. Um, and, uh, and I think that that's what, that leads us into all these, uh, these situations where, um, you know, we're just, you know, inviting that negativity into our lives. And it's, and it's cool to see today that she's, she's turned that around in a way that she now cultivates and invites this, uh, this, healthy lifestyle into her life so yeah really appreciate that yeah for sure thank you monica it was a good story yes yes and i can't wait to see you know i can't wait to follow her journey and see what happens from here see where where it goes yeah for sure so cool dang yeah another great one as we as we wind down another one in the bank as we wind down what you're seeing behind us you know, that's the only thing that's going to change is what you're seeing behind us yeah and what you're seeing <laughs> in front of us <laughs> should sound the same but with with that we will just leave it uh, at that um, thank you so much for everybody that's listening and supporting thank you Cameron thanks Willie thank you Jordan thanks Jordan Rye Town got a whole crew Rye Dog Yeah, what do you say? We get out of here? Let's do it. Okay. With that, we will see you on the other side. Remember, you are work. work. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.